Today we come to the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, and we pick up the story where Adam and Eve have been kicked out of the garden, and they have two sons. One son's name is Cain, the other son's name is Abel. And Abel's a shepherd, he cares for the sheep, and Cain is a farmer, which means he cares for the fruit. And so eventually, Cain and Abel both bring an offering, a sacrifice to God. And of course, Abel brings a sheep, and Cain brings some fruit, because that's what they did. And God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but he doesn't accept Cain's. And so Cain gets angry, and the Bible says his face fell. And God looks to Cain, and he says, why are you angry? If you do well, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So God approaches Cain after God doesn't accept Cain's sacrifice, and he says, hey, if you do well, you'll be accepted. If you don't, sin's going to have you. And so God is warning Cain, and you know what Cain does? Well, of course, the famous story, we all know how it goes. Cain goes out into the field. He kills his brother. And then God comes to him, and he says, Cain, where's where's Abel? And Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out from the ground. In other words, Cain, I know what you've done, and you know what you've done. And so he curses Cain. But then Cain is like, hey, that's too much for me to bear. People are going to kill me. If you kick me out of the, where my family's home, people are going to kill me. I'm just going to be wandering in no man's land. And God says, you know what? I'm going to have grace on you, and I'm going to give you a mark on your body so that when people see you, they won't kill you. Now, we don't know what that was, but we know it was something probably serious, maybe the first tattoo, who knows. So that, in a nutshell, is the story of Cain and Abel. But doesn't that sound familiar to you? Doesn't that story sound like deja vu? It does. You know why? It's almost exactly what happens in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, some things happened. And here in chapter 4, the next chapter, Cain sins, and some of the exact same things happen. For example, God warns Cain. He says, hey, if you go through with this sin, something bad's going to happen, just like God warned Adam. He said, if you sin, you're going to die. And then Cain sins, just like Adam sinned. And then God comes to Cain, and he questions him. and says, where's your brother? Just like God came to Adam and said, where are you? See, the same principles apply here. Then God curses Cain and says the land will no longer yield its strength. He curses because of the sin. The consequence comes and Cain is now has to suffer the consequence of his sin, just like in Genesis chapter three, when God cursed. And then you know what happens? God acts graciously, just like in Genesis chapter three, when God clothed Adam and Eve in order to cover their shame and to atone for their sin. God does the same thing with Cain because Cain says, people are going to kill me. And God says, I'm actually going to have grace on you and make sure that nobody touches you. And then what happens? Just like in Genesis chapter 3, God sends Cain out. And not only that, he sends him east of Eden, just like he sent Adam and Eve east of Eden. But you know what this is a picture of? Every single time we sin, we move further and further and further away from the presence of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they got kicked east of Eden. And then Cain is there with Adam and Eve. And when he sins, God kicks him out east of Eden. And so there's a progression. Every time we sin, we get further and further away from the presence of God. But you know what? As similar as the story is to Genesis chapter 3, there's also some very important differences And one of the main differences 
we see in Genesis chapter 3, before Eve and Adam sin, there's a conversation between mankind and the devil. But here in chapter 4, before Cain sins, there's a conversation between mankind and God. In Genesis chapter 3, we saw all about how God responds to sin, but now we see what God says before sin takes place. And it's really important because God says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? You know what his message is saying? He's saying, there is hope for you, Cain. There is hope for you. Turn, repent at the small sin before it grows and grows into a bigger sin. And you know what he says then? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. So here's what God is saying. He's painting two pictures. He's saying, look, if you do well, there's good things going to happen. If you don't do well, there's bad things going to happen. And you know what he's really saying? You're going to be accepted either way. If you do well, you'll be accepted by me, by God. But God says, if you don't do well, you'll be accepted by Satan and evil and sin. You know, 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil will devour us if we let him. And we will either be accepted by God or by evil and by sin. There is no other option. We will either be consumed by God and his love or consumed by sin and its consequences. And that's exactly what God is saying to Cain here. He's saying, no, Cain, that if you do well, you'll be accepted by me. But if you don't, there's no neutral ground. You will be utterly destroyed if you don't do well. But he says one other thing. He says, it's desire, meaning sin, Sin's desire is contrary to you. You know, so often we think, eh, sin is not that harmful to me. I can just engage in this little sin here, and it's not really going to hurt me that much. But God is saying, you don't understand. Ultimately, at the end of the day, sin is contrary to you. It's going to destroy you. And then he says, but you must rule over it. You must master over it. And, you know, there's two aspects to how we can rule over sin. One We can rule over the punishment. We can control the punishment. Or two, we can control the practice of sin. For example, if a kid hits his little sister or little brother, the parent's going to ground the kid. Now that kid can control their practice moving forward. In other words, they can stop hitting their sibling. But you know what they can't control? Their punishment. And that's the message God is sending. Cain, you must master sin. You must. You'll do well if you do. You know what God is saying? Master the practice of sin. You can control the practice of sin in your own life. But you know what? It's already too late for you, Cain. You're already sinful. You're already out of the garden. And the practice of sin is not the only thing you need to control. You also need to control the punishment of sin. But you know what? That's impossible because it's too late. Just like the kid who hits his sister and wants to control the punishment of sin, the parent would say, no, that's ridiculous. You've already committed the sin. It's too late. You must be punished for what you've already done. The same is true of us as human beings. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. And sure, we can get better. We can improve the practice of our sin. But you know what we can't change at all? The punishment for our sin. In Isaiah 53, it speaks about Jesus, and it says, 
upon Christ was the punishment that brought us peace. Upon Christ was the punishment that brought us peace. You know what that means? God will deal with the punishment. God commands us to master and rule over the practice of sin, but he knows we are totally helpless when it comes to dealing with the punishment for sin. And so God, through Christ, he deals with the punishment of sin. And if we have faith in him, the punishment, the chastisement, the consequence of our sin is taken away and we are able to have eternal life with God.